0: right? It's a day of joy for the church of God. But why is a day so joyful? What makes this day different from every other day that we gather together? Technically, nothing, (laughs) right? We, We say here at Elm Creek, every single Sunday for us is Christmas. Every single Sunday for us is Easter, because we want to bask in the presence of God. We want to worship Him and Him alone. But there's something about Easter that on the historic church calendar that every church of God gathers together wherever they're at throughout the world, and we remember what Christ did on the cross. What makes Easter so special? What makes Easter so happy? It's not bunnies. It's not family. It's not candy. It's not jelly beans. It is Christ. It's Christ. What makes Easter so different from all the other days of the year? What is so joyful about Christ's death and resurrection? Because let's be honest, as a church of God, the fact that we celebrate someone's horrific and horrible torture and death is weird because you really think about it it's really strange this symbol this cross the rest of the world if you've gone back to to ancient rome when they did this this is this was a curse this is only for criminals and yet the church rose it up and they they didn't worship the cross it was a reminder of them of something that christ did what is so joyful about his death and his resurrection we have to get, uh, well, let's say, how many, how many have, just as a show of hand, how many of you ever taken a bite out of baking chocolate? Like, be honest, it's, it tastes wonderful, doesn't it? No, and usually it's when you're a kid, like you're trying to sneak sneak stuff, and you see the chocolate, and you put it in your mouth, and you realize it is so sneaky bitter. There's a reason they put sugar in the chocolate and the candy bars nowadays right so imagine with me if you've ever experienced that if you haven't go home take a nice bite if you've got some so I was gonna we didn't have any at home I thought we did and I was gonna have somebody come up and do it it would have been a great illustration but I just I was busy this week obviously so um, you take a bite out of it and you taste that bitterness how many of you can just taste it right now in your mouth just like this it makes you just ugh right and then you take a Hershey milk chocolate bar. We had s'mores last night. Oh man, like you could taste it, right? Your mouth is watering, okay? We have to understand the bitterness before we can truly appreciate the sweetness. We have to We can't really understand how good Hershey's milk and how bad it is for you at the same time. Hershey's milk chocolate is until you eat baking chocolate. It's sweet, but once you taste the bitterness, oh man, you're just like, I ain't never going back to that, right? I'm I'm never gonna have, anybody who's ever had baking chocolate, immediately you go, I don't wanna taste that. You mix it in, melt it up, and put like five gallons of sugar. Yeah, I'll, I'll eat it. But we have to understand the bitterness of the cross, the bitterness of our state as human beings before we can tr- truly appreciate the deepness and the richness and the sweetness of the cross and the sweetness of our faith in Him and what Christ did for us. So that's, that's what we're doing. We're answering those questions. What is, what is so awesome about Easter? What's so great about this day? Why do we set everything aside as a church and we focus specifically only on Easter? So I'm gonna walk through this passage says the word curse in there a lot. So we're gonna walk through, we're gonna say, what is what is the curse? And then we're gonna look at Paul's line of thinking, and we're gonna take it one step at a time until we can get to the true blessing and the sweetness. So the curse is the bitterness. The blessing is the sweetness. And we have to see, how, how, did, how do we get there? How does Paul get there? How does God guide us so that we can truly understand the sweetness of it? So what, what is this curse? Um, in a recent conversation I had with a fellow pastor, the topic of God's blessing, uh, and we've been talking about this a lot, as a church right we've been working through the galatians and uh the book of galatians and he's talking about blessing this and abraham's blessing that and and uh in this conversation with this fellow pastor he quotes genesis twelve three, where god says to abraham i will bless those who bless you and i will curse those who curse you and i stopped him and i said so what is that blessing and he looked dumbfounded at me like i can't believe you don't know and so what did he say he goes well what do you think it is i'm like that's not answering the question man I don't know. At the moment, I was like, what does it really mean? What is the blessing? We talk about Abraham's going to bless the nations. What is the blessing? And then if he's going to curse people who curse Abraham, what is that curse? The blessing of God was passed down from Abraham through the generations, through his son and his grandson and all the way down, when God And when God brought the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, he also uses this language of blessing and curse. He gives them the law. Through Moses, they receive the law of God. And in Deuteronomy 28, I'm not going to read the whole chapter. In Deuteronomy chap, chapter 28, God tells the people the end results of obedience and disobedience to that law. Obedience brings brings blessings. Disobedience brings curses, okay? So don't, don't go legalism yet, okay? We're not, we're not there yet. Actually, we're not going to go there at all. So just let's just walk through this a little bit at a time. God says, if you obey my law, if you obey the commands I give you, then you will be given fruitfulness and food and children. You will have peace from your enemies you will be established as my holy people. I will give you everything that you will ever, ever need. I mean, that's, that's, that's a really good blessing, right? But if you disobey my law, then you will be fruitless in food and children. You will receive pestilence and disease You will be defeated by your enemies. You will be utterly destroyed and you will become slaves of other nations. So in reading this chapter, basically what God is saying is a blessing. If I bless you, I will give you life. So a blessing is life, which means a curse is death. Obey and live. Disobey and and die. Now, for discussion's sake, for discussion's sake, uh, sake, uh, let's narrow the whole law. Well, I don't want to walk through the mold on the north side of the walls and in the corners and all that kind of stuff. Let's just narrow it down to ten, the Ten Commandments, right? Most people at least have a basic understanding of the Ten Commandments. So, if the law is, and it is, the Ten Commandments in general, how much disobedience are we talking about here? If you disobey. You will die. If you obey, you will live. What if Israel obeyed four of the ten? Or let's do a positive. What if they obeyed six of the ten? At least they're on the positive side, right? What if they they only disobeyed one and they did nine of them? Well, Well, God tells Israel that the blessings and the curses are dependent upon their complete obedience. He says that in Deuteronomy 28, in verse 1, and verse 15, if you do all that I command you, this will happen. You disobey at all, you will be cursed. So, to be right before God, or, and right before this passage, God lays out all of the blessings, all of the curses, and, and it's written... Cursed be anyone who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. This is, this is what Paul says in Galatians chapter 3. To confirm the law. To confirm it is to establish a covenant promise that they will keep and put into practice all of the law that God said. And you know Israel, right? They hear the law and they said, We will obey just as you commanded us, Lord. Paul says this in uh, chapter 3. He says, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the law. And not only abide by them, but do them. Not just confirm them. Not just make a covenant promise, but actually do the covenant promise. Fulfill the promise that you have made. But the one who does them in obedience has to live by them. That's the blessing. You obey me, you will find life. Obey all the laws, you will be blessed. But break only one law and you break all of them. You will be cursed. This is the bitterness. The law demands perfection from all of us. This demand for perfection is actually offensive to us. We don't, we don't like this because when we say that, you have to be perfect. Immediately our response is like, well, I can't do that. That just gotta be wrong. He just means like 80%, right? Or 51%, 50.1%. If I can obey 50.1%, right? That that'll be enough. This offends us as humans. How can a loving God create such an unattainable standard? And so we make God in our image and we put our own standard in place of God's standard. We imagine a weight, a scale. If I've got more good than bad, then God's gonna say, well, at least you tried. You've done more good than bad, I'll I'll let you in. Nowhere in Scripture does it ever say anything like that. It's all or it's nothing. God is loving, absolutely, but he is also holy and he's perfect and he demands perfection from his children. No one, including Abraham, is given a pass. This is the standard and it never changes and it is the same today as it was for Abraham. It's the same today as it was for Adam and Eve. It's all the same and that's the reality is that none of us can fulfill the demands of the law. None of us can. So let's go back to the Ten Commandments. I can say with confidence that I have never murdered anyone. Never. Never. I, I, I could say, I have never committed adultery. But I have lied. I have also coveted the possessions of others many times in my life. I'd love to fit in a miata. You guys, you have a Miata, right? Do you think this body's going to fit into a Miata? No, I covet covet a smaller body so I could fit into a Miata. It's just not going to happen. I covet it. And to be completely transparent, my children, close your ears. I took change from my dad's spare change jar many times as a kid just so I can go buy a Diet Coke. Like probably over 18 years, I don't know, 100 bucks? I, I don't know. He never knew. If he's listening, I'm sorry, Dad. Although they probably knew it was happening. It wasn't really, I mean, a hundred bucks over 18 years, it's like, ah, it's just a hundred bucks, right? A couple quarters there, a couple quarters here, but it's stealing. If I took one penny that did not belong to me, it is still stealing, isn't it? We don't say, well, I mean, you didn't steal a car. You just, you know, sew clothing. It's not as expensive. No, we don't do it. It's stealing, it's stealing. It's against the law. And it's against God's law. Thou shalt not steal. God's standard of obedience is perfect obedience. And none of us can come close, even a smidgen, to fulfilling that standard. We can't. And because we cannot fulfill that standard, we are all cursed. Now again, hang with me, okay? like, holy cow, is this Easter, Mark? Welcome down Elm Creek, man. We've got to understand the bitterness of this. We have to realize our state before we can understand the true sweetness and joy that is found in Easter. If we are all under the curse of the law, we are all then under the wrath of God for our disobedience against him. Instead of being the people of God, we're enemies of God. Instead of joy and peace, we receive condemnation and judgment. Instead of Everlasting life in the presence of God in heaven, we receive eternal death away from the presence of God in hell. That is the reality of our state. There is no cosmic or heavenly scale of right or wrong, good or bad, that we stand in front of when we pass from this life. As Dan said, our brother Keith passed away on Monday. His funeral was yesterday. He did say to me, those of you who've you've, you've heard this, I, I said this yesterday, when I first sat in front of him on Friday, he got the diagnosis, he basically had a couple of days, maybe a couple weeks. And I sat down in front of him and he says, so when I get to heaven, can I tell Jesus that I tried to become a member of Elm Creek? <laughs> it's like, buddy, you know that's not how you get in. And he laughed, he thought it was, that was just Keith. That's not, that's not what gets us into heaven. Being a member of the right church doing the right thing, trying to have more good than bad. One act, one thought of disobedience outweighs all of the good that we could ever do. Now, maybe, maybe you've heard this before. This is an illustration so, uh, of this sort of thing. If I was to take arsenic, a little drop on it, of it, and I asked someone to come up and just take that one little drop, what would you say? You would say, no, I don't want to take poison. Like, why would I do that? That's dumb. But then if I took a glass of water and I put one drop of poison in it, and I said, drink the whole glass, what would you say? Well, no, it's poison. Why would I do that? That's dumb. That's, it's crazy. I would never do that because the poison has infiltrated every single molecule of water in that glass, and so it is with our disobedience. We have one tiny little drop of disobedience, and it corrupts the entire glass. It corrupts Every aspect of it. There is not a part of our heart that is not affected by sinful disobedience. None of us, not you, not me, not Abraham, can avoid the curse of the law if left to our own abilities. This is the reality in which we live. This is the bitter pill that we have to face. This is also why Easter is so full of joy. For Christ did what we could not do. He he alone lived a life that we could not live. He died the death that we could not die. And he defeated the enemy that we could not face. A redeemer. A redeemer was an individual who paid a price in order to secure the release of something or someone. And when it comes to us and the curse of the law, the only way that our debt to God for our disobedience can be paid is if someone perfectly obeys the law for us. And if you're looking for me to do that for you, we need to talk. You actually can actually talk to my family. You am talking to my, my father-in-law. He'll tell you a lot of things. <laughs> now, if you're relying on me, if you're relying on other people, if you're relying on your family, if you're relying on your friends, if you're relying on your job or your money or your retirement or just joy in life in general, to release us from that curse of the law of perfect obedience, it's a, it's a, it's a folly. It's a folly. When it comes to us and the curse of the law, the only way our debt to God for our disobedience can be paid as if God pays it for us. He is our redeemer. He is the one who paid the debt that we could not pay. God came to earth as a human being in the person of Jesus Nazareth, who perfectly lived out the whole law of God and willingly gave his own life upon the cross to pay the debt to pay the debt of death that we rightly deserve. This is why Christ is called the Lamb of God. He sacrificed Himself so that those who believe in Him would have life and not death. Blessing, not curse. He became the curse for those who believe to redeem them from that curse. Without Christ, okay, uh, Albert and I just talked about that this morning. What if Christ is hanging on the cross, before he dies, he calls down his legions of angels to remove him from the cross and to destroy all of the bad guys, okay? Let's just keep it in general. What, where would we be right now? Guess what? We'd be cursed because Jesus didn't die and then Jesus didn't raise from the dead. We'd be under the same problem. It wouldn't solve anything and Jesus knew that. He's like, Father, if there's any other way for this to happen, do it. And God says, no, this has to happen. You have to sacrifice your life so that the curse can be lifted from those who believe. Without Christ, there is no Easter. Without Christ, there is no hope. With Christ, there is life and blessing and hope. But only for those who believe. To rely on obedience to the law or to put even more simply, uh, to rely on any good works to be saved is to fall short of God's glory and God's blessing. There is almost, uh, there's no almost, okay? You used to say, oh, I almost, it kind of counts, right? We'd, we'd go pheasant hunting and I'd shoot with a shotgun and, and I totally miss And I said, oh, I almost got him. And my dad would just laugh and he's like, there's no almost, it's either a dead bird or it's not a dead bird. There's no almost there. We can't take it home and, and eat nothing. There is no almost when it comes to salvation and being right in the eyes of God, being justified before him. There is either all or there is nothing. Obedience to all the law or none of the law, complete blessing or complete curse, complete eternal life or complete eternal Death, there is no fence. But I always say I love that word. It's the greatest word in scripture. But if we have faith in Christ, if we believe that our salvation from the wrath of God, the forgiveness of our of our disobedience to Him, is found only in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, Paul says you receive all the blessing of Abraham. Not just part of it, all of it. Paul tells us that Jesus took the curse of the law upon himself so that the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Now, unless you're Jewish, that's you and me. That's you and it's it's me. He took the curse upon himself so that we might be blessed. And the Gentiles... We received the blessing of Abraham. He says so that we might receive the promised Spirit through faith. No Christ on the cross. No perfect life by cross. Uh, no perfect life by Christ. No Christ dying on the cross. No resurrection out of the tomb. Guess what? We're cursed, and we don't receive the promised Holy Spirit, and we're still waiting for the Messiah to come. If Christ did not die on the cross, becoming the curse for us, we would not receive the Spirit. And this is why, uh, this is what Paul is saying, really. If we want God's blessing, then we must perfectly obey the law, but we can't. So Christ came to do what we couldn't. And his life, in his life, death, and resurrection, we receive the blessing of eternal life in his presence. But even more importantly, we receive God Himself. Do, do we realize that? A lot of times we think, "I can't wait to get to heaven, so I don't have arthritis anymore in my knees and my ankles. That I can see my family members who are believing. I can see Keith again, and I'll be able to hear his normal voice because, you know, he he his vocal cords were injured from cancer. I'm not I'm not gonna have to worry about a lot of other issues with food and stuff. It's gonna be awesome. And and that's true. We're gonna be restored, we're not gonna have pain, we're not gonna have sorrow. But that's nothing than the true blessing. Say so the way it's been talked about throughout church history is all of those things, the, the beauty of our salvation and and justification and sanctification, all those things is a, is a pearl necklace. It's a It's a a necklace around our neck that's just beautiful, but if all we do is focus on the necklace, necklace, we forget the little diamond that is worth way more than any pearl could ever be. And do you know what that diamond is? It's God himself. Do you know what the beauty of heaven is going to be? It's not going to be that I'm not going to have arthritis in my legs anymore. It's going to be that I'm going to be in the presence of my Savior, Jesus Christ. Without Christ there... The reality is heaven is hell. With Christ there, it's eternal life and beauty and joy. We receive, even here on earth, we receive the blessing of eternal life in his presence, but ah, like a, like a, a mere darkly seen, like is we're, we've got it, we have eternal life and we receive the Holy Spirit and it's awesome and we're blessing and we're great, but it's just not quite full blessing and, until we get into his presence. Instead of obeying to earn God's favor to allow us to be in his presence for all eternity, we obey him because we love him and because we belong to him. So if you're an unbeliever today and you hear this, what should the response be? Believe. Have faith in the only one who can remove the curse from us. And if you're a believer, here's the reality. Christ died on the cross. The Spirit came. It's like we couldn't obey the law right we cannot obey the law perfectly and so christ did it for us and when we believe that he did it for us then we receive the holy spirit who then empowers us to obey the law you see how that works we don't obey because we're awesome we obey because he's awesome we obey because we love him because he's changing us and we still are imperfect in our daily obedience to it but god has already forgiven us of our sins If we believe, He has already cleansed us from all unrighteousness. We are already justified in His eyes. We are already made right if we believe. If we believe, stop trying so hard to get into heaven by being as good a person as possible. And even Christians fall into this. This is legalism. We fall into this. If you do this, then God will be happy with you. Uh, God was happy with us when we were still enemies with him because he saved us and he changed us. Trying to be a good person, as good a person as possible, is never going to be enough. His demands for per- perfection are beyond any of us and instead believe in Jesus Christ. For he fulfilled what we could not. He did the works that we Would never be able to do. Through God's sovereignty, through His power, through His reign, He made the way to His eternal presence. And so, my plea this Easter morning walk the path of faith and belief, not works, and receive the blessing of Abraham, the blessing of eternal life, the blessing of eternal life. The tomb is empty. Right, The tomb is empty, never to be filled again. Jesus Christ is raised from the de- dead, defeating the power of sin and death, saving those who believe. And so put your faith in Him as your Redeemer and find the blessing of God in abundance. And if you do believe that already, stand firm on your faith in Him and bask and embrace The blessing of God is His child. Live in Christ. This is why I say without Him we are nothing. We are lost. We are cursed. Striving to be as good a person as I can, hoping that God is happy with me. And the reality is you stole a quarter mark when you were eight years old you're done you're disobedient but I sent my son to die for you so believe and I'll never remember that quarter again it's gone it's, it's not held against me I, I I I don't know how that works if I were God I wouldn't do it that way right I think I said once before, if I were God, all of you would probably be dead because I'm sure I'm mad at you, but at least once in my lifetime, right? That's how we would be, but we are not God. He is God, and this is His plan, and it's the easiest, simplest thing to ever understand. All of us are in the same boat, and we all need Christ. Believe, and you will be saved. Where the difficulty comes in is the Spirit comes, and He says, I have redeemed you. I have given you life. And so you belong to me. So now I want you to live for me and I will empower you to live for me by the indwelling of my Holy Spirit and you will continue to receive the blessing over and over of joy. The tomb is empty. He is risen. Never to be put back in the tomb ever again. Amen? Father, we glorify you, we praise you, we are your people, not because of us, not because of our good works, not because we are good enough, we are your people because you have saved us, you sent your son to die for us, Father, and we are filled with joy that the way has been made, that we are called your children if we believe, and I pray for those, Father, who, I pray for those who do not believe, Father that you would soften their hearts, let them hear this gospel message, this good news, to understand the bitterness of the pill that is the reality of our life and the joy of the death of your son to cleanse us and to save us if we would but believe that in him alone is our salvation found. Father, help us enjoy this day, enjoy family, enjoy friends, enjoy food, enjoy good times, but always, Father, to remember that this joy is nothing compared to the joy of being your child. It only makes those things even sweeter, Father. Remind us of this as your people. Expand your kingdom today add souls to the heavenly realms. And Father, may you be given the glory. None of it is us. It is all you, Father. And so may you be the center of our worship and our life as your people. We ask this in your name. Amen. Would you stand? We'll close on our final song.